When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore aficionados from Blizzard Watch. And I've got my marvelous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How you doing today, Matt? So, uh, I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn a lot. <laughs> and one of the things about Horizon Zero Dawn is that they put in a lot of stuff like that you can kind of... You can use to f- pretty much figure out exactly where you are. Like in terms of like where a thousand years from now will have turned into this, like for instance, uh, the expansion of the Frozen Wilds is set in Yellowstone. Okay, yeah, uh, that's that's. And they, I remember they tell that. you that, so you you basically, uh, I've been able to use this to work out the distance between, say, Yellowstone National Park and Colorado Springs, which is important because the starting area that you start playing in has a a thing called a vantage, and when you click on it. It, it shows you an image of a building that we know that, that exists right now. It's the Air Force Chapel in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So extrapolating those two distances, it's about a thousand kilometers. This this map is basically a thousand kilometers from end to end, uh, both up, down, north, south, and east, west. See, that's always fascinating to me, too, because I, one thing I learned uh, a long time ago is that when video games use likenesses of real-life places, even if it's just topography, especially if it's, like, national parks, uh, but also buildings and stuff like that, there's usually, like, for lack of a better term, an appearance fee that they have to pay. So when I see a game like Horizon Zero Dawn and how accurate it is to that geographic region even now, it's, like, it just marvels in my well, brain how much time and time and money they spent making sure that it was accurate the the thing about that is that they they changed the name of the place just enough that maybe they didn't have to pay the fee i don't know no it's it's all but, likeness based now yeah but what was interesting is that there's one of the other places you end up in is denver stadium which mm-hmm. is now like a warlord has turned it into like a small city you go in and blow the place up but it's just like you're thinking about this like the distances involved and the actual locations, you can use them to figure out exactly how far you've traveled. And it, it's this leads into a World of Warcraft and a lore thing. Uh, this isn't just me rambling on about Horizon Zero Dawn. Because when you travel in WoW, you're not traveling the distance. The, the world that you play in is not actually the size that Azeroth would be. Yeah. Because you can physically run from one end of, of Kalimdor to the other, north south you can do it in like i think 25 to 30 minutes yeah not not too long it doesn't take too much time just to do a yeah. straight run and obviously calendar is not the size of manhattan island uh you know it is significantly bigger than the 15 kilometers that you would actually do you know what i'm saying like the, yep. the, the distances are compressed in these games and it's just fascinating to think about this is something we just accept yeah it's just part of gameplay and it's just one of the things that i've really find fascinating because I mean, 
that's one of the things we talk about. Why didn't the Why didn't the Alliance just destroy the Horde when they had the chance? It's like they didn't. It wouldn't have been easy, guys. Yeah, marching a whole army that long of a distance. Oof, oof. Yeah, the fact that the Horde got an army right up to Darnassus was purely, you know, partially it was luck. Partially it was the fact that they managed to trick them into putting their their navy somewhere else. If the Alliance navy had been off the coast shelling them the whole time, they wouldn't have been able to do it. So it's just interesting to think about these things. Really, For me, related, I've actually been doing something a little bit, well, I shouldn't say similar, uh, but I've been going back through Jedi Fallen Order, but I haven't been playing the game just to play the game or do completion stuff. I actually have a mod that breaks the camera so you, I can look through everywhere. And one thing I'm noticing in that game is all of the random details that they've put in different places or planets that they didn't necessarily have to like in the middle of like Sarlacc style pits. There's like a whole bunch of like actually textured content and things like that, which is absolutely fascinating. And it makes me think of wow too, because there are so many things that exist when you're traveling the world. And I was thinking about this as I was flying around uh, Kalimdor last night. Uh, like I was remembering the critter plateau and all of these random things that are there and that you can find like random temples, random things. They don't have to be there. These are not things that, sh that, that they had to put in there, like the old hidden troll village uh, or stuff like that, but they are. And when you find them, it makes these places not just feel big and vast because these are things that are previously undiscovered, but it's just this amazing amount of detail that makes these worlds feel alive. Uh, it's it's always been fascinating to me when games and companies do that specifically, like just add things that they don't necessarily have to do. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now that said, we do have a lot of questions this week. I shouldn't say a lot, but we have several questions. So thank everybody for sending those in. Um, I will probably remind you at the beginning and the end. Make sure you send us some questions for either podcast. Just make sure you specify which one you want it for. Either send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com or hit us up on Patreon. In the We have an actual podcast questions channel, and I do look there now. So please give us questions. They're great. First question on the docket. Greeting watchers. Do all Titan Forged have souls? For example, Agamar created Grand that degenerated into Colossals, Mag uh, Magnaron, Gon, Ogron, ogres and finally orcs at what point do these beings start getting a soul is it created by the spirit available on the planet or from the shadowlands the same question goes for azeroth titan forge that were degenerated by the curse of flesh uh, keep up this awesome podcast regards mahara silver spirit or silver sprint excuse me undead priest that's a good question what do you think well, one thing we can say, uh, we know that Odin wasn't surprised by this. Like when the Titan Forged began dying and going somewhere else, Odin decided he wanted to bring their souls back and put them in, you know, imperishable bodies. So this wasn't news to him. He was aware that Vrykul, for instance, could die. Mm -hmm. And if they died, their spirits would go somewhere else. Um, as to, in terms of, I think it's fair to say that um, ogres would probably have souls. I, I, don't, I honestly feel like this this obviously hasn't been answered. Like, yeah. there's never been anything in game that's like, by the way, soul started here. Um, I think it, if if Odin was so comfortable with the idea of getting souls back, then you know, if he, he thought obviously most of the Titanforge, the the Watchers in particular, didn't think the Curse of Flesh was a good thing. Um, but the Curse of Flesh was sort of after Odin's time. Mm -hmm. So he was talking about soldiers that had worked, fought for him during the war with the, the old gods and had been destroyed. And he seemed to think they had souls. And they were like, you know, the, the rock and stone, Freikul and Earthen and so forth. They were, they were the original Titan Forged. They weren't Curse mm -hmm. of Flesh yet. So... Yeah, it doesn't, he didn't, he didn't, you know, for that matter, he seems to be perfectly comfortable with the idea that he's got a soul. Yeah. Or, and we know that the Titans had souls, ha have souls. Yep. And so do you think of Titan Forged as a kind of byproduct of that? Are they like, you know, there, there's a lot to consider here. Um, do we have an answer to this question? No. Uh, I do think that the spirit available on the planet is interesting. 
We know that Draenor had less spirit available to it than Azeroth, but more spirit actually being used mm -hmm. because Azeroth was eating all of it. Azeroth consumes the, the vast majority of the spirit available on Azeroth, the spirit element, one could call it. And as a result, the elements on Azeroth are in pretty serious conflict. Whereas on Draenor, the elements were relatively in tune. They were like, yeah, okay, there's plenty of spirit here. We're fine. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It was having a negative effect on the plant life, or maybe positive, too positive, you could say. But it wasn't. You know, the elementals weren't weren't in any fighting over it. They weren't in any conflict. So, is the spirit related? I don't have an answer to that question. Uh, we know that it doesn't. It's not related to there being a Titan soul on the planet, because Draenor didn't have one. Right. So, yeah. That, See, that, this isn't really answerable as such, but I mean, it's, it is interesting to think about. Yeah, and and I, I think you're right that I don't think it's it's largely answerable because I, we don't think we found out yet. However, I think that in particular, this is something that we're going to get a little more insight into going into Shadowlands, and I think this goes to the whole spirit slash anima thing mostly, because spirit of the person goes to Shadowlands, that anima, the power of that gets used and consumed there. I always wondered if that was something similar. Like you said, like Odin wasn't surprised by this. I don't think the Titans would be surprised by this because they're the ones crafting this life. Well, how are they powering it? That's always been a question I've wanted to, to know. Are they tied directly into Azeroth, like almost like an energy umbilicus where, you know, they're drawing just a small amount to, keep doing what they're doing in their autonomous nature or, or whatever the case is. And does that grow as the, the curse of flesh takes form? Maybe, maybe not. Well, or does it grow as they get more conscious of their individuality? One thing to question too is, are there, you know, we don't know for sure. Like we don't know that the trolls are or are not Titan forged. We can guess. The trolls but, absolutely have souls. Yes. We can guess, but we don't know. Trolls have souls. Uh, Torn have souls. Um, Furbolg have souls. Tanaka have souls. The yeah. Anything Tuscar have souls. Yeah. yeah. The, there's... Heck, dragons have souls. For, and for that matter, on Draenor, there are other life forms that don't come from the Gron. There are, there are the Saberon. There are the Arakoa. They seem to have souls. And we've interacted with them in the Shadowlands, too, can, so we know that do, for a fact. You can do necromancy to them, so yeah. There's... The real question becomes where do souls come from in the first place, which is we're ranging into theology here, guys. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, one of the things to think about is our souls a byproduct. You, you kind of just sort of mentioned it, but you didn't really make it explicit. So I will hear do souls come from the anima. Like when you, when a, a soul dies and goes to the, the, to the shadowlands and is judged the anima that powered it in life is reused it's sent back into the world it, it's part of the cycle uh we know that that's us they're having a soul drought right now uh in in the i want to say the Feywild, but that's not the right word the amber you know the Ardenweald. the Ardenweald. yep uh so we know that there's like a soul economy going on so do souls are souls and imperishable things that get sent back like do you does your soul get born again and again and again? Are you constantly reincarnating? We don't know. We, we we as yet, this has not been made clear. This like the soul can perish, but something like it always exists. Like sort of like the way that they kind of said in Diablo, that Malthiel died, but something else would rise. Is it like that? We don't know that either. Um, but I mean, there's lots of stuff to consider. If Titanforged have souls. Did they always have them? Were they made with them? Or is their development of them the weird thing that freaked out Algalon about us? Remember, like, the, the thing yeah, Algalon said? You, yeah, you know, he was super off-put by us because we were not we were not what he was expecting. Yeah, there's something like, you know, you defy cosmically calculated odds. You know, there's no way we should have been able to beat him, and we did. We, that keeps happening. We, we keep, you know, managing to beat people we're not supposed to be able to beat. Up to, like, at the end of Legion where there's this whole thing about how it's not possible that we should have beaten Argus, and yet here we are. Argus is down, and we've got, a, like, a drop of his blood. Um, and uh, I think going into 8.3, it's a good time to keep in mind that we've got a good record against old gods. Yep, so far. I mean, you know, two have come up, two went back down. Um so, 
yeah, it is interesting to consider like what where what is a soul in WoW? Where do they come from? Like, I don't want to start singing Cotton Eye Joe here, but I, almost, <laughs> um, but I but I do think that it is it is independent of the curse of flesh. I think is really the the, the most answerable part of that question. I think that souls existed before the curse of flesh uh, took hold yeah, anywhere. Sense, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So like, and we. Agree. Yeah, and we know that with, and just to sort of finish that out, we know that with Draenor, because souls were there, that the plants were feasting on it and doing that whole thing, which is why, you know, Agamar did what he did in the first place, and he was able to do that it there. Should be pointed out, there is no actual curse of flesh as such on Draenor. Correct. Yeah. Grand went into the Colossals, the Magnaron, the Grand, Ogron, and Ogres, and finally Orcs. But if there was, there wasn't really a curse of flesh involved. It was the power of the of the Evolution. primordial. Yeah, they were trying to break them down. Yeah, you know, so they could be more easily. You know, but it's it's actually an interesting thing because it's a similar kind of idea. And it's except not to think about. Yeah, except not not in the curse of flesh way, like you're pointing out, where the curse of flesh happened, where like, you know, this dwarf was one stone, and now it's well, it's fleshy and spongy. There's a really I've always been interested in the concept of whether or not the curse of flesh is actually an old god thing. And the reason is because when you go to Aldemon, and keep in mind, Aldemon has the actual tablets of Morganon because that's the things they stole from Loken and hid there. When, when uh, oh, bloody hell. Uh, Tyr, Arcadis, and Ironia, when they stole the discs of Morganon and, and took them south, uh, Tyr gave them to Arcadis and said, get them somewhere safe. I'll hold these guys off. And that's how Tyr died, fighting those two... Uh, like Zakaj, the Corrupter, and the other one whose name I can't remember. Kithix? Yeah, Kithix. The two um, big tentacle-faced guys whose names are... I just said their names, but I can't remember what kind they are. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm talking about. Um, those dudes. When when he stopped and fought them, the Arcadis and Ionia ran to, to Aldemon with the Discs of Norganon, the real Discs of Norganon. Yeah. So when you when you get there and you're running or- Norganon and you're running um, Aldemon and you get to the Discs, they tell you that the titans usually use flesh yeah and only use stone on azeroth because of the hazardous conditions which of course would be the war with the with the old gods and it always made me wonder you know we know that everything that we hear at, at the tribunal of the ages is logan bsing uh he's trying to, to pull yeah, out he's trying to cover his sense. trying to cover his cover his tracks more or less so is it possible that the old the old what the old gods did wasn't create anything. What if they just found the activation code? See, now I've been I've been thinking about that for a long time too. And we talked about this in one of our very early lore watches, actually, uh, where I likened it to almost like a computer programming or like a a programmed obsolescence, right? So if and let's let's tie this in with this question a little bit. If the Titans are using spirit to power the Titan forged and they're making them out of stone currently to survive the hazardous conditions enough to get Azeroth to a point of stability and growth, why wouldn't they program something in that would allow them to break down and thus release that spirit back? And or I've always wondered about to, that. Another way to look at it is not break down for obsolescence sake, but once you have the planet to the point where it's self-sustaining... Do you need it the, anymore? The circle... Well, no. I mean, think of it this way. You you want to populate it with life. That's what they do. Why not let your servants become the life? Why not? Why should something else have that role? Why not be Titanforge? Because then they're going to be of like mind to you, and that means they're going to do things that will help Azeroth become more like them, which is what the Pantheon wanted in the first place. The Pantheon set all this up to try and guide Azeroth to be like them. And especially at that point, if they're already fleshy, too. And we don't know what happens when a Titan hatches, more or less. Um, we still have no idea. But even at that point, if they're more susceptible to, you know, for lack of a better term, if they're just life at that point, and let's say the planet explodes or however uh, a Titan is born, uh, maybe it's easier to reabsorb them if they're in that fleshy, spongy state or whatever case happens. I keep thinking, I don't think the Titan planet explodes because I keep thinking back to when... Uh, Oh, why can't I remember any names today? <sighs> Amunthul. When Amunthul came and plucked out uh, Yashraj. And mm-hmm. keep in mind, for all Yashraj's power, Amunthul treated him like a pimple. 
And Gamathul just reached down and crushed him. And his vast bulk was just fit between two of Amathul's fingers. Which implies to me that Amathul was planet-sized. Which yeah. implies to me that Amathul was still wandering around in his body. His planet, or his planet of origin became his body. And for all I know, until he went and fought Sargeras, he may have been completely covered in life forms. The much I mean, you have mites all over you, and they don't care what that's, you do. That's true. Although like, that, that does that does bring raise the question of scaling, since you know at one point we are sitting near them in bodies. But you yeah, know. but those guys, those guys are no; those are after they've died. After mm, they died and had fair. their spirit sent out, the forms we see them in might not be might be physical representations that Sargeras created to house them. See now, it's I just have them. Now I just have this mental this mental image of like tiny like Titan uh, inside of like a Titan Jaeger body made out of a planet. Well, and think about this too: when the Titans, when when they pull Sargeras to the throne of the Pantheon, the seat of the Pantheon, he fits inside it. When we were in there, and it's not yeah. planet sized. Yeah. But when he's outside of it. He's planet sized. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, it, they, there's there's that thing where they scale or they can scale at some point. Like, possibly. I mean, there's lots of different possibly. ways this might go. But think about that idea, though. It's very possible that the planet doesn't have to kill us to to quote right. unquote hatch. That it, it tr- just transforms the planet into its body. We and then become... you basically be living. Yeah, you'd be living on the surface of this vast thing, much the way that you know right now you have life forms crawling all over you. Not dissimilar, in digestive tract. not dissimilar to uh, the Exodar, which we I were was talking about. Yeah, I was thinking about this in terms of like how the life on Azeroth could be seen as it's like antibodies, yeah. and it's mitochondria, and it's gut flora, and all that stuff that we have in us that is effectively like independent living things that still work to keep us going. Um, and it's just, it's weird to think about, and it's like, it's nothing to do with like the lore really, because no one said anything. But this goes back to the idea of why does the Titan need so much spirit? Yeah. Why Why does it draw so much is that, is that Is that its its antibody system? Is that its defense mechanism that it needs? Is that its mother's milk? I mean, what is it? And that does then lead to the question of what is, like, tight, where did Titans come from? You know, we know that they're kind of like from some kind of order. You know, they're from that the cosmology chart we know where they are on it, but like, are they like little flotsam? Like what, what, what's going on with that? But we don't know that either. There's just a ton to think about here. If Titans have souls, which they appear to, and those souls are almost indestructible to the point where you can kill their bodies and they can like, you know, cast themselves out and re inhabit. And that's the other thing. We know that they can inhabit other Titan forged. Yeah. To varying degrees of success, but yeah, but think about what that means. If they can inhabit other Titan forged, that means they're effectively like like if you're covering the planet with life, you'd want to cover it with Titan forged in case there was an apocalypse or something. Then the Titan forged on the planet could possibly serve as a host for for Azeroth. She could yeah. infest us. And, so, we, and we see that sort of with Anar, with the encounter with Anar, too, where like there is for lack of a better term, she is inhabiting that weird planet place. But if they can do that, like you might be right, that might be a way for a backup system or a in case of emergency break Titan forged, right? Yeah, like who you, knows? Which is just fascinating to think about. But yeah, so the TLDR is we don't quite know yet, but I I personally suspect we'll find out more later. I I think Blizzard will do what it always does, and they will manage to not actually answer your questions so much as create further questions. It'll be like an episode of Futurama where Bender burned down a house underwater. He goes, how did you do that? That just raises further questions. Yeah, it's going to be like that. We're going to you know, be like, but wait, what? And what? you know what? We're going to love it one way or another. <laughs> you know, it'll be great. But yeah, I, I don't, I agree. I don't think we have an actual answer for this. Our next question comes from the Kunka. Uh, it is a question was read on episode 121 about what else can Blizzard come up with for Warcraft? My thoughts and question. Uh, the Magahar were pushed to Azeroth due to the coming of the Naru and the creation of the Lightbound. Could the Naru come to Azeroth and try to do the same? Will we ever see Hellscream's Lightbound Sun? That's an interesting question. Do we think that the events that happened on the alternate Draenor timeline that created the, the Magar 
and push them to Azeroth, could that ever happen on Azeroth proper? First, we'd have to know what those events were. Right, which we have no idea yet. And we don't. Um, for that matter, we don't know for sure that that Draenor was actually destroyed. There was an impl- They were heavily hinting at it, but we don't know that it happened yet. Also, destroyed um, can mean any number of things, too. Yeah, but what would be interesting is if the if the light forged the light bound from that world came to Azeroth like in pursuit of the Maghar that could be interesting um, especially since they'd be led by you know uh, Urel who is now like a, a high exarch and she's apparently doing the direct bidding of that universe's version of Zera and we know Zera has a real problem with people saying no to her so one question that always comes to my mind is, did that Zira do to to, to Urel what our Zira tried to do to Illidan? Which would make sense if she did, especially with the whole, we know how the Lightbound process works to a certain degree. Yeah, um, we've seen the light forging at least. It's similar, when one it's, assumes. It's similar, but we don't know essentially what happens when Zira is left intact, I guess would be the best way to put it. Because even when we, even when we encounter the Lightbound, like Zira is not reformed quite yet. And then we reform her. And then the Illidan things happen. We don't know how long she was broken like that. They don't tell us explicitly. And we don't know what would happen if Zira was controlling or directing things for longer periods of time. The other thing that I've always thought about, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we, we know she was directing them for like at least a thousand years. Sure. And we know that when she was, she was very autocratic at the best. Yeah. Like when, uh, when, when Alaria came to her and was like, you know, I, I want to study this shadow magic. I want to see. And she's like, no, 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 no. She actually locked, locked her away. Alaria up. Yeah. So yeah, Zira is not, Zira is not very flexible. So and we don't know we don't know what the Zira from the alternate timeline is like. The fact that it even that there's really at some point they're going to need to figure out how to work on the whole alternate timelines versus actual. Like if demons don't have alternate selves, then how can these alternate timelines work? You know what I'm saying? Like there's 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 they need to like actually sit down and really think about what they're saying because that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and they can't um, just Doctor Manhattan it, as far as I'm concerned. Like it's but, but the, the the interesting thing about the whole Lightbound situation is, uh, even while you're fight the Maghar are fighting them, if you're doing the the quest to get the Maghar to recruit them, even while you're doing stuff and fighting, the Lightbound are like, no, you know, you guys are the ones who who ruined this planet, and it's your stubbornness that's going to ruin ruin it further. You're responsible for this. We're not doing this. We're not destroying this planet. It's you. You know, and so I kind of had a point. Uh, it was the whole <laughs> the Iron Horde thing started it, and then the Fell Horde thing really triggered things getting worse. So we don't really know how that's going to play. If the Naru came to Azeroth and tried to do the same thing, like if the Naru we have, I don't think we have Naru here who are as militant as Zira. Remember, Zira broke off from the other Naru. Going back twenty five thousand years ago. Yeah, she's she was fairly extremist from the the Naru that we've encountered. Yeah. Like like Oros and uh, oh, Adal. Like those guys didn't like they were not down with like let's form a cosmic army and fight the Legion forever. They were like let's you know let's look at these people to safety. Yeah, you know what? And even even Adal like and that's a good point. Like Adal had a chance that if if there was something similar that Adal could have done. Adal had that option, like that, or had the opportunity, I guess I should say, could have created their own light bound, their own supercharged army, but instead it focused more on defense and was way more peaceful. So, like, that's a very interesting point where, you know, Zera is extreme, 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 extreme. The other thing that I've been thinking about too is in, in context of this, with the light bound that were present on that alternate Draenor, even if the planet explodes, I always wondered, how do I put this? I always think about Apexis crystals. And the reason I think about Apexis crystals is because it always makes me think of the Draenei. It always makes me think of Argus and what we know about like living crystals, which Apexis crystals are in a large way containing 
knowledge and data and in, in, in lieu of like scrolls or tomes. But what would happen if the Lightbound learned how to grow them like they could the crystals on Argus? What if they started creating their own fleets of ships out of these, which we again, we don't know what they've been doing. Even when we do the Magar uh, scenario, we don't see Lightforged citadels. We don't see Lightforged cities. We don't see what the rest of the planet has become. We're essentially in the backwaters of that planet, right? We're retreating. We're, you know, going to these places that are still very natural. What if they've created their own series of Exodars? And it is possible. I don't know how likely, but we know that like the Exodar is not just a spaceship. It's a multi-dimensional ship. We've we've heard that multiple times that it can travel space and essentially, you know, planes of existence. What if they figured out how to do that and create more that could do that then? We could have Lightbound show up on Azeroth. We could have an invasion of the light at some point. I'm not saying that it's likely. Again, I'm saying that it is possible that it could happen. They could escape the destruction of that timeline, of that alternate reality, of that dimension, and possibly come to ours. But I don't it's know. It's interesting that you mentioned that because it just made me think about something. What's that? Uh, we, know that we know that Rookmar is the one who taught the Apexis about the light and she was a, a sun goddess that lived on Draenor. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And, and she wasn't related to the Draenei or the Naru that we're aware of, but she's the one that taught them about the light and they're the ones that worked out how to make Apexis crystals. So that might be something that the light inherently teaches people. It has taught at least two different groups like the Draenei and the Naru seem to be pretty on board with the soul crystal idea. And the Apexis crystals come from the Apexis who come from Rukmar. Yeah, which are the, mm -hmm. uh, the are essentially Arakoan, right? Yeah, the Arakoa. Yeah. And that, that's interesting to me because that's, they're separate. They're not, this isn't Draenei and it isn't like, it certainly isn't what the, uh, Eridar did before them. This is something that seems to have come from the Naru and the light. And Rukmar wasn't a Naru. She was a, like a sun goddess. And she taught that to her followers. She taught them how to use crystals and how to harness the light through them. And we've seen what they did with it. They had that giant light laser. Yeah, and they had constructs the sun, that were made out of yeah. the same stuff too. Like, li and like, those constructs were very similar to the ones that the Draenei were using in Tapestry. Very Peak. similar, and very similar are the ones we see in Legion too that the Lightbound use. Yeah, so there seems to be like this seems to be something that the Light you can learn from studying the Light in one way or another. So, is it possible that the the Lightbound could show up? Absolutely. I don't think they even really need to be. We don't even need to like think about them doing anything any different than what the Naru did. Mm -hmm. in our timeline because the Naru clearly create these vast crystal ships and use them to travel the dimensions that's what they've called uh, Tempest Keep and the Exodar it's a dimensional ship a dimension ship yep that's what they called it from the beginning so clearly they travel the dimensions they they use that to, to go between stars in a way they sort of cheat the speed of light for lack of a better word by going to another universe and then coming back out into your universe so <laughs> And, and does does that mean that they, for all we know, Draenor, like our Draenor, Outland, was never in our universe? Like, that's we don't true. Know that, we don't we know, know that, that it. Actually, yeah, we don't know that it's in the same universe because how do we get there? We get there through a portal that and uses a dimension magic ship. and a dimension ship. Yeah, so it's quite possible that you know we never, like the Legion may have been traveling through alternate timelines and alternate dimensions this whole time. Destroying, oh. yeah. There's tons of stuff going on here that we don't. You know what? Know. There, that might be also part of the reason why they had to use the dark portal to get to alternate Draenor in the first place. Why couldn't they use something else? Why couldn't they use any of the other technology or portals or ways of shifting planes, which we've seen? Like that specifically that they had to use that. Is it because it was already old magic that pierced that veil into that other dimension? Well, I mean, if you look back at Warcraft 3, they were building multiple gates on, on Draenor. Oh, yeah, that's a, that was a, a big thing and, in several of the books, too, about how that's what shook Draenor and apart. 
yeah, when they did that, they tore the planet apart. So they might not have wanted to risk tearing it apart again. So they used the one portal. You know, one portal seems to be sustainable and doesn't destroy your planet. But if you try opening five or six of the freaking things, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, and they only really worked effectively afterwards because Outland was floating in the Twisting Nether. And that's actually something really weird to think about. Because like, we've, we've heard it said before, you know, these, in order for a demon to die permanently, it has to be killed in the nether. Uh, which then, of course, Antorus kind of put the lie to that. Yep. Um, and so we, we are, we're left with, like, what uh, to what end was, was Outland being used? Obviously, it was still being used for a very important reason, because Illidan meant to use it. He was going to piggyback off of it uh, in the Illidan novel so he could destroy the uh, Legion's portal network. Which has nothing to do with the light, but sure. we got off on this subject. Anyway, my point's just, yeah, could they show up? It would be interesting if they did. Uh, I would certainly like to see what Yorel's up to and what her perspective on stuff is. Uh, because I don't I don't trust the Makar perspective, and I never have. Well, I mean, every time you get one side of the story, it's it's never Well, I mean, if you, just look the at the Mag- if you look at what the, the Iron Horde... And the, the even the non-aligned orcs of, of the, that Draenor were up to. I mean, Shadowmoon Valley—that was the Iron Horde, and that was some pretty nasty stuff they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 tried to enslave a Naru. Uh, it's not surprising that when that Naru talked to Zira, Zira's response was, "Oh, okay, these guys are jerks." Uh, so, you know, when Kara gets gets purged, and it cost Velen's life. You know, that's also Velen was a big deal. Velen's whole prophecy thing was the way they were going to get the edge, and then they he gets killed. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that the light forged might have the light bound might have come to be. It might have been definitely a. We know Zara's not big on measured responses. No, and so, and honestly, yeah. and you mentioned something that I think I, I I wholeheartedly agree with. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing the light bound show up. And the only reason I say that is because I think it's an interesting uh, dichotomy. It's an interesting other side of that coin. We're always fighting darkness and shadow and void. And we're getting to a point where, at least at the end of 8.3, in theory, we're done with the old gods for a while. Or at least we can we can guess that we will be. Um, we hope so. We hope so. At least for a little while. What if the focus started shifting from void and darkness to the light? And there's been a lot of things over the years that have brought the light into uh, question, essentially. Zera is definitely one of them, but there's all these other interpretations of the light that we've seen throughout the years. Like why we said, why can, you know, undead still wield the light? Why can all of these you know, creatures harness the light in such a way. What is the light really? And we, for all we know about it, we actually know almost nothing. Yeah, there's an old saying that nothing is ever all one thing. Yeah. And that that saying is pretty dramatically terrible. But the point is, you know, if you look at faith, faith is great. Faith you know, can illuminate, it can light up, it can, you know, light, give you a light in the darkness and give you a reason to go on. Or it can make you so completely sure of your own, you know, moral rectitude that you don't care what you do. Well, sure, this is a horrible thing I'm doing. But it's for the right reason. Yeah, it's for the greater good. I I believe, therefore, I know I'm doing the right thing. Um, And there's an old saying. This this is not actually an old saying. I'm sorry. I'm remembering it wrong. This is from the Discworld books. There's a part where Sam Vimes is thinking as a guy's a guy has a, a the gun pointed at him. The first gun is a terrible weapon, and he's like, you know, oh, he's like, if, any, if anyone's ever pointing a say a loaded crossbow at you and he means to kill you, pray that it's an evil man. Pray that it's someone who wants to take power out of that moment, who wants to lord it over you and exult at how strong they are, because a good person who decides you need to die will just kill you and move on with their day. Because it's not fun for them. It's not a pleasant task. It's not a diversion. It's just a. It's a. It's an errand. It's like I have to do this, so I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it as quickly and as no frills as possible. I'm not gonna make this into like a, you know an exaltation of my power. And that's what I keep thinking of when we talk about the lightbound. And if Zira's gone fanatical, Zira's not going to gloat. Yeah. If she's crushing us. 
She's doing it because she believes it's the right thing to do. She's doing it because the Naru, who are these beings of pure light, who her people have revered for thousands of years, have told her it has to be done. And so she'll be very sad. She'll be incredibly regretful. Mm. She will, she'll actually mourn everybody she kills. Yeah, Yurel will have that humanity aspect, so to she, speak. But she'll but still she'll, Yeah, and, and that person is worse because, yes, they're, they're, first off, they're not evil. Um, they're, they're not doing it because it makes them feel good. They're not doing it out of power. They're not Gul'dan. They're not even, um, they're not even Garrosh where Garrosh exults in his power. Garrosh, I don't think Garrosh was evil, but Garrosh was very much the kind of person who enjoyed showing you how powerful he was. He enjoyed that feeling of power. He was exulting in it. That is not the URL. It's not the light bound. They're going to do it because it has to be done. Which like you said, that's almost scarier. You're fighting you, because look yeah. at how we've been. We've done this. How many times have we done this now? Oh yeah, and how many times have I said like we're so short sighted on it because we're doing what needs to be done over the years, like every single thing. This has to be done. This has to be done. This has to be done. That's yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And it's not like we had a choice because the alternative was to be like you know killed by the you know X threat, but nevertheless we always do like we, we we take the shortcut we do the expedient thing we lose track of the powerful artifact so you know shara gets her hands on it just left that thing laying around and great good job guys there's there's always been that you know we do what we do because we have to do it and that's going to be if the lightbound show up that's what they're going to be doing and the worst part's going to be who do they convince to join with them or do they convince Azeroth- anyone I think they would probably talk a few people around. There's got to be people on it. There's quite a few people on Azeroth who, when presented with this army of, you know, you know, light, fanatical light, you know, they got the light behind them. You know, imagine if they showed up and went into say lights watch on, on the Azure, on the Azure Mistyle and said, you know, here we are. Think of it. Think of like a new Scarlet Crusade. Yeah. Or yeah. Right there. You know, how many of those people would like, you know, people who've seen the undead rampage through, kill all you know kill hundreds you know and claim to be Sylvanas is done yeah and, and then they're like you know no we're here to like we're gonna end all this we're gonna finally give you deliverance we're gonna we bring the light and Lights, now we could it, we get yeah. another set of group that's already fanaticized with another group that's already fanaticized yeah, yeah and, but, but wow forget those that'd be dangerous but there's plenty of other figures who'd probably go along with it or at least be convinced at first like Turalyon is Turalyon gonna immediately recognize the threat these guys pose you see that's a that's a weird one for me because he might now he might now but he might not and that's the thing that's that's an interesting story moment where if Turalyon says no I I, once I thought as you do once I believed as you do but I've seen yeah because the only reason the only reason I say this because when you brought up, uh, I think four or five episodes ago, when we talked about you know Turalyon meeting, uh, uh, was it Augustus Fowl, um, and his Alonzo reaction, Alonzo Fowl, excuse me, uh, and his his reaction to it, it's not somebody who's been fully fanaticized. He's realizing things. So you're right. That would be an incredibly interesting story moment to have. Where at the same time, he is the guy who's absolutely willing to say, we will crush the horde. Mm-hmm. And when Leodrin's fighting him across the battlefield, he's like, you're not a real paladin. Like he practically dismisses her. Yep. You know, you using the light against us. Like it's a personal affront. So that's still in him. He still has that, you know, the same thing that, and this goes back to one of the books when Turalyon was fighting the orcs and when uh, Lothar died and Turalyon picked up the sword he in his head he decided that orcs weren't like they, it was okay to just kill them wholesale mm-hmm. they weren't people he demonized them and in the name of the light he did it and the light didn't like reject him the light wasn't like no man i ain't down with that the light was like whatever sure you want to kill those guys that makes sense yeah the light yeah, never and, rejected him no and he he straight up thought of the orcs as like subhuman like, and I mean literally subhuman. Humans are more important than orcs. Orcs are inherently evil. Orcs make pacts with evil. And, I mean, on the one hand, you understand why he thinks that way, but we clearly know that it's not the case, that whatever orcs' flaws as a society might be, individual orcs are not inherently evil. We know this. And yet Turalyon decided that they were lesser beings to be slaughtered. And he's never really dealt with it. 
That's true. There's never been a there's never been a storyline. There's never been a plot point. There's never been anything where Turalyon stops and says, "Yeah, I I I was very angry and I made that that decision and it had to I had to fight them." That's absolutely true. They had to be stopped, but they weren't creatures to be stepped on. And that's there's so he could go either way, and that would be interesting either way. You could m- do a good story of of Turalyon finally saying no uh you know light is great but it doesn't justify everything we do we what we do is not holy just because i i can touch this power we have to we have to make our actions good and there are other characters who you don't think of who you could totally see becoming fanatical i don't think i don't think anduin would no i don't think he would but, either but it would be really interesting to see if other people on the alliance would go that way and for that matter, there are horde figures who might. True. You know, like imagine if a Forsaken was like, you know, yes, finally I can be saved. If I just endure this, I can be saved. I can finally be freed from this. And the light, you know, light, Lightbound would be totally happy to offer him that. Like, yeah, we'll, we, you know, we'll we'll give you the release that you want. We'll totally or, free. Or if they show up and you have. Uh torn that are you know convinced that it's actually what on Anji that shows up for that matter they could reach out to the torn and some of them might go or the, along or the fanatical tanaka that worship the fire and light yeah i mean there's 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 lots of possible the young gall that that you know there's there's lots of ways to go with it there'd be lots of interesting story stuff stuff you could do with it i don't know that it's going to happen Absolutely. And we've been talking about this for like 20 minutes now, so we should probably move on to the next email. But Well, moving on to the next one. This one is from Ninjox. Goblin Assassination Rogue, soon to be Valpera from Damnation Guild on Thrall Server. I, I'm happy with more people being in Valpera. Go you. Good day, Watchers. I have a question in uh, relevance to last week's Lore Watch about the Titan facilities not being originally designed to be prisons. Well, this got me thinking about what could they have been made for, and one thing comes to mind for me. As a father myself, one of the first things you build or acquire is for your new bundle of arcane, a crib. Could all these facilities be nothing more than Azeroth's crib turned over to trap the old gods? Just a thought and keep up the good work, making my work days that much more bearable. Well, glad we could be of service. Uh, but that's a good question. Do we think that these original facilities were meant to be some form of cradling system or something that were all designed in place to nurture Azeroth or keep it safe? Well, we know that some of the facilities were designed and built for the sole purpose of helping Azeroth survive what happened to it. Like the trauma when the, when of the plucking. Of Eternity, yeah. yeah. When, when the Old God was torn out and the Well of Eternity. Because keep in mind, when the Old God was torn out, the Well of Eternity looks like a beautiful, looked at when it was, you know, in its, its peak, looked like a beautiful blue lake on the, you know, in the center of Kalimdor because the Titans spent a lot of time shaping it. And it was referred to as a wound in the world. Yeah, like- that stuff coming out was Azeroth's blood, essentially. It was his life or life essence. Uh, and they spent a lot of time building facilities around and around the entire continent of Kalimdor, whose purpose was to channel the power from the well back into Azeroth. So, in essence, they didn't try to keep her from bleeding. They tried to make it so the blood went back in the body. Which is an interesting concept, because, I mean, I've always wondered why they couldn't seal the wound. I honestly kind of find myself wondering if it was like dialysis. Like using it as a filtration system? The old gods are there, and they're, they're... threatening to pollute the world but if you draw the the essence out and then you put it into the system and filter it and then feed it back into the planet she gets wholesome you know life she and, gets her herself purified and we know for a fact because of Mr. pandaria and the neuroshin encounter we know for a fact that they were capable of doing that and they knew how to do that because what do they do when we have that encounter they draw the corruption of the old god essentially because that's what shaw is it's leftover old god bits out of us for us to fight and and be purified Mm -hmm. and that's a theme that we see through a lot of the facilities too like even uh even some of the mogu uh facilities are about purification like the animal rooms and things like that uh we don't know what the throne of thunder oh yeah the throne of thunder the throne of thunder wasn't originally just lee shen's party place it was where you know it was rod and seat to the point where we go down in the basement and we find where he got him chained. That's where he originally was. The Throne of Thunder was a Titan facility. 
Was it? Was it? What was it for? We can actually stop and think that every Titan facility we see in Mr. Pandaria is one facility. Yeah, they're all connected Much in the some same capacity. Way that Ulduar isn't just old. You know, Ulduar is the Ulduar raid that we run, but it's also two dungeons and the halls of valor. But they're all one thing. Yeah, and for that matter, the the spark of imagination is miles away from the rest of Ulduar. Mm-hmm. You take a train to get there. It's that far away. Um, so distance, yeah, it's very far away, but the distance isn't really important. They can still, for that matter, we know that that's also true in Uldum. Uh Not only does Uldum consist of multiple facilities across the place, uh, but Ankaraj was also part of the same facility. That's why it's right there. They are directly next to each other. It's one facility that got severed when the you know the old god began escaping did they build the prison on top of oldham like did they basically build it as an addition is that what all these titan prisons are is that why oldham uh, olduar is so spread out and there's like the big round central area that everything else seems to be built on top of it but then there's the spark of imagination that's off here then there's the halls of stone and the halls of uh lightning and the halls of valor which are all all physically separate like was that similar like were they building this stuff on i don't know i think the idea of it as a crib i don't know if that's how titans work yeah which we don't have any clear clear anything on that either but it is interesting to think about it as a concept like when they got there when 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 agrimar seen when agrimar found dranor which didn't have a titan soul his first his first reflex was still oh this is out of balance well, nudge. Yeah, you fix that. You, you know, why was I created? Yeah. Well, Grand, I want you to fix this. This is out of balance. I want you to balance it. I gotta go, but you do that, okay? So that's like his first impulse. Just seeing an outbalanced world, seeing a world where they know it's gonna be one of them someday. Yeah, maybe they they did build something like a crib or a crash, or even just like if you think about it this way. An, an egg-laying species has. There are many different kinds of nests they form. Yep. Uh, some lay like nests, and they they cover the, the eggs over with like a mound of refuse, so that the decomposition of the refuse can warm the eggs, so they don't have to sit on them. That's one approach. Of course, that there are there are problems with that approach. Then you have to guard the thing the whole time. You know. We. When they came to Azeroth, Azeroth was infested with the, like old gods, and their plan was, "We'll get the old gods out." They were just going to kill them. They didn't know; they had no reason to believe that they couldn't. And then they learned um, that they couldn't because they had they had yeah. essentially burrowed down into the skin, almost like giant warts or tumors. Yeah, but they started off. Their approach was, "We'll just kill those guys, and then we'll like set things up so she can." And that just brings us to the question: Had had they done this before? Like we, we get the sense they had that in fact Amanthul had done this for all of them. At some point, yeah. Like, yeah, Amanthul had found them and, and ushered them into existence much like himself. He did it for himself, but then he went and did it for all of them. Yeah, and we know that he woke them up. We don't know the process in which and we don't know how long is, it took. Is that what he was building? So did he build a wake up system. Is this less a crib and more, you know, baby's first, you know, alarm? So or one you you hit on something earlier that got me thinking, and it, it made me wonder if this is almost like, and, and I know this is a a bad image in some capacities, but like uh, almost like an a, a, a ICU for infants, right? You come, you see this nascent planet; it's absolutely infested. You try to fix it by essentially picking the tick out of the skin, and then you learn that you do more damage than good. But also in that process, you learn that not only can you not pull these out, but you learn how far down they burrowed, how far down that infection went. And now you know that there's more of them. You have this entire capacity of, the, the like you said, the, the Black Empire reaching over all these, these continents, like the entirety of the world. And with that, they've dug down deep. They've been trying to penetrate to it. We've had multiple you know, instances in, in Chronicle and books have mentioned this. So you pull them out, and what do you do? Well, you can't pull them out anymore. You have to get the body to reject them. So I like your idea that they, not that they couldn't close the wound, 
but they wouldn't close the wound because it wouldn't fix the problem. That the facilities became... I was going to say that they became purification systems, like you said, to help inoculate the world, or at least Azeroth, in a capacity that it could fight back. Because the Black Empire, we know, is is not... We don't see the corruption nearly as far as it was, right? By the time we're dealing with things, you know, things have been scrubbed to a certain degree. And part of that, we don't know how that happened. We don't have a clear definition of how they did that. We know that they did it. We just don't know how. How did they fight back? How did they rip that corruption up from the entirety of the planet? How did they reorder it properly? Like, what happened yeah. there? And I think, question. And I think that maybe you're onto something there, that maybe they didn't. Maybe the facilities were taking those that energy that was spilling out, and maybe it wasn't just the Temple of Elun. Maybe it was multiple of them, the Heart Chambers and all these other places that we've encountered. Because we have Titan facilities, like, and, I, and I've brought this up, like, we have the Engine of the Makers that we don't know what it did. It's there. It's not working anymore. It's frosted over, but it's there. You can fly down into it. You can take a look. We have the the makers uh, the it was on the makers terrace. We don't know what that facility was meant for. We know that it's over like this weird petri dish of a place, but we don't know what it did. We also don't know how these facilities are powered. But what if you're right? What if it's taking that raw corrupted energy from these places, from the wound? And then sucking it back in, filtering it, putting it back into the planet, putting it back into Azeroth to help it fight back this infection. And because I'm thinking about Aldir, where that infection was happening from the inside out and that facility was all sorts of of messed up. But that was because the seals that were keeping it in check were broken. Well, how are those seals being powered? We still don't have an answer to that either. I think you might be onto something there. I think that those facilities aren't dug into the ground and tapping from them directly. I think they're pulling it just from that wound. That wound is large enough. We know for a fact it's large enough that it was a problem. It could be powering the entire planet's worth of facilities. Well, to, I mean, plus there's the idea. We, we do know a little bit about the Engine of the Makers. We know it's part of the Forge of Wills. Sure. And the Forge of Wills, if you look at it, if you use your metaphor here for the ICU thing, um, the Forge of Will was supportive care for Azeroth's, for lack of a better word, mind. Which we know was that essentially... was necessary. Because where do you go when Alduar's having the nightmare? You, or, or where, sorry, when Azeroth's having the nightmare, you go to Alduar. Yeah, and the Forge of Will's whole purpose was to effectively use the cosmic energy to re to to fortify Azeroth's mind, its its soul, its heart, whatever you want to call it. Whereas the Forge of Origination. Uh, in the south, which was its twin, the the Forge of Origination's purpose was to effectively shape Azeroth, the the planet, the body of Azeroth, while the Forge of Wills was for her mind. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know that's what they were doing, uh, which makes me think, you're talking about this, it, you know what I think we're, we're looking at here? Hmm. We're looking at supportive care. Yeah, we're looking at almost like an incubator. No, no. If you get, like, say you get a really bad disease that doesn't have a cure. Like, we'll use rabies as an example. Sure. Rabies is almost always lethal. But if you haven't been vaccinated and you do get rabies, one of the things they do is they can put you on supportive care. And that means it's like they'll keep you, they'll keep you hydrated. They'll keep using medication to lower your fever. And they'll try to wait it out. That's one thing that you can do. Yeah. It doesn't always work, but it is something that can be done, and it, it works better. Like, uh, it's 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 it can be used for like multiple diseases that are otherwise completely fatal. Um, well, they were doing something similar too when uh, Ebola was was uh, such yeah. a big thing because there are people who have survived Ebola, and that was yeah. because they did very similar. It was this highly infectious thing, this disease that was just killing people outright. And what did they do? They isolated them, put them on, you know, sustainable care and did the retrovials as much as they could. But like you said, it's a very similar concept. It's give the body enough time to try to fight back. Yeah. And that might be what we're looking at. I think your point about the ICU is, is well stated. I think it's basically just that kind of supportive care. But also, I think um, to a degree, it's also attempting to control the direction of the recovery. Yeah, like tapping directly into the nervous system and sort of giving it yeah. instruction, because why wouldn't you? If you could, why not? Yeah. And if Amadou, like you said, if Amadou has gone through this before and we don't know if there were other old gone infections or anything on the other 
Titans, but they seem to understand at least a little bit about it, especially with, you know, Aldier and the research that they're doing there. They understand it to a certain capacity. Why wouldn't you try to give the body information if you have it? Like you said, like, like, well, like I said, like, like retrovirals, like antibodies. Giving it that chance. There's a lot to it we don't know yet, but I do think that there's there's something here in this idea that rather than just seal the thing up, you want to draw – the easiest way to draw the poison out is to let it come out from this hole that's already been made. Because mm-hmm. it's not like you can just stick a bunch of IVs in Azeroth. Like the, the wound is deep because Azeroth is not, not near the surface. So if you want to get something out – the easiest way to get it out is to let it come out here because this is already a place where stuff is coming out. Uh, It makes a certain amount of sense that you don't want to rip any more holes in the planet. You don't want to risk like there's, you don't want to do anything too invasive. You don't want to do anything too invasive because for the same reason you don't want to do invasive surgery on someone until you've gotten their health up as high as you can to to increase their odds of survival. So this leads me, since we're coming up on time, to a final question, because you just made me think of something. In the At the end of Legion, when we are ripping Sargeras from the planet, he had been wrapped around Azeroth for a bit at that point. It wasn't like he was idle, and we still don't know exactly what he was doing. But his last act is to summon his sword and create a brand new wound exceptionally close to where an old god was imprisoned. Do we think that maybe in the same vein of the Yasiraj wound that he was trying to create a similar wound to draw out further infection and further purify Azeroth? Do you think that maybe Sargeras looked at it and thought this worked before, but it's not working quick enough? What if we do this this way, a more extreme for lack of a better term, putting leeches on a body. What do you think? No, I think it depends on whether or not we think Sargeras is the kind of being that would actually care versus just destroying the planet. I think if he was trying to destroy the planet, he's demonstrated the ability to do it. Yeah, he's cut planets in half, right? So his stabbing the planet, I don't know if that's what he was trying to do. He might have been aiming for the old god. Like He may not have been trying to make another wound to let um, Azeroth bleed out. He may have literally just been trying to stab the old god. Right. Thinking, and we may have made a miss. F it. No, he may, you know, maybe he wasn't even, maybe. The, the thing is, is that we, we draw what we thought was poison out of the blade. Remember? That's why our artifacts yep. are destroyed. It's possible that we did that. That wasn't something that Sargeras was using. That might have been something that was leaking into the sword from the, the old god that he got stabbed. We don't know. Well, uh, certainly something that might come up at some point. Yeah, because I was always thinking about that, too. Like, why was the sword with such energy being drawn into it? And because that that's the thing, right? It's not pouring energy into Azeroth. It's not trying to explode it. And it didn't look like it was leeching the life away, so to speak. We actually don't know what it was doing. But we do know that we took all of the energy out of it with all of the artifact power that we have been gathering for all that time and shut that process down. And I, I just always wondered about that. Like if there was something more to it, because one thing that I always thought about Sargeras is he wanted to be a, essentially, it sounds cheesy, but in my mind, it seemed like he wanted to be loved. He wanted his family to side with him. That's why he captured them and tried to turn them to him. Like he did with Agamar. He wanted them to see it his way. Well, save the planet, save Azeroth before it's born. Hey, look, I got rid of your bad dreams. Hey, look, I got rid of your infection. Hey, look, I made you well again. I did this because I care, and now we have work to do. A willing participant is always a lot more better, or or as my friend says, more gooder, uh, than if somebody were to have to be tortured into compliance. And that always stuck, stuck with me that maybe he was... He was trying to cleanse it in a way and get Azeroth on his side from the get-go, from the point that she was born. Because she's exhibited a whole lot more conscious thought since that point than we have ever seen. So, who knows? But we'll find out in the future, I'm sure, at some point. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. 
Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast and a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads-free site experience. Again, please keep those questions coming. Send them in at podcast at blizzardwatch.com or on our Discord channel in the podcast and queue questions channel. We love hearing from you guys and thank you very much for all of your continued support. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.